I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped on Shuffle, where we discuss an overlooked song by a popular artist. Today we're going to be focusing on The Pretty Things Are Going to Hell by David Bowie off of his 1999 album, Ours. Okay, so today we're going to be talking a lot about David Bowie and how how can we how can we even discuss David Bowie? Like like I feel like talking it talking about David Bowie kind of is difficult because how can you sum up somebody that's done so much for so many different avenues of art, you know? Yeah, you mention him and somebody's like, "Oh, I've seen him in this movie or right. you know, I've seen him in like this outfit." Yeah. You know, not even counting like the music. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And and we're talking, you know, a career that spans, you know, near uh, 40 years and, you know, so many albums and so many hits and so many personas, you know, just like he's so massive on so many different levels that I don't know, like it's hard not to, as a music listener, I I wouldn't trust anyone who listened to music and said they didn't like David Bowie. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's just so big. And, um, it, it's weird, you know, for 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 us, I guess, a little bit, because we're going to be talking about an album today that, you know, is not one of his most loved records. It's one of those records that kind of flew under the radar, not only from the general public, but also from most, you know, Bowie fans. But uh, but it's a record that for us anyway is like pretty near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. When we were discussing what song to pick, we kind of narrowed it down to a, a couple albums in this era and hours, um, I, I don't know if it was you or I who who really pushed for it, but I, I love hours like from front to back. Yeah. Um. So even just choosing one song off of here was was difficult for for me. And I think one of the things that I like, and I mean every Bowie album is so different, but this one is really different. Yeah. I, I think even from the the earlier records where, um. You know, some of his later albums when he kind of became popular again in in the like mid two thousands, um, I, I think still harken back to some of seventies Bowie. Yeah, but this album is just an outlier that just kind of remains sort of outside. Uh, the 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 Bowie soundscape, if if that's even possible. Yeah, to exactly. Say. In in a career that spans so long and 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 explored so many different musical genres, it's kind of difficult to even say like, oh, this Bowie album doesn't sound much like any other ones because you could probably say that about most of them or or at least a, a bulk of them. But but this one in particular is is. It's it's just so it's 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 kind of nuanced in a lot of ways. It's we had little, called yeah, we had called it before an adult contemporary yeah, Bowie album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like softer. It's it it's got some heaviness to it, especially in the song that we're going to talk about today. The pretty things are going to hell. Um, you know, uh, that's kind of a very aggressive title. Um, and it's an aggressive song. But overall, like the whole record is very um, I don't know, like synth heavy kind of light but, kind but of very yeah but soft soft yeah, synths soft, over over word. over soft strummed acoustic guitar yeah. like yeah there's there's a kind of delicateness to to this record that's that, a good word i like that, that that not i mean and not only musically but lyrically too yeah I, I i mean this is an album where i think bowie 
like digs deep yeah. and and tries to kind of bear his soul yeah um which I, I which i feel like a lot of the times he's he's trying to entertain us he's trying to 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 be an artist do this or that and i think he kind of has a whole another approach on this which is just like i'm i'm gonna be me and I'm yeah gonna, and i'm gonna talk about myself and this is that's this is, that, that's probably this is how what, it comes out that's probably what draws me to it and, and i'm sure you as well in, in in a certain way but yeah but it's like in his career you know he he was the thin white duke he was the stardust he was all these different characters where he was sort of putting on this image and ours is one of those records one of the rare records in his entire catalog where it's like no this is David Jones, you know, not David mm. Bowie rock star, but David Jones person writing music about himself. Yeah, it's almost one of the albums where some visual aspect or some other other thing he was doing doesn't kind of overshadow it. Yeah. Um because I feel like on on the other records he's conscious of here's here's what's going on on stage. Here's, you know, what's going to be in this music video. Here's th- this other thing that I'm I'm doing. And I feel like for hours it was I, I'm I'm making a record and I'm putting out a record and I'm going to do a small intimate tour and and that's going to be it. It's just going to be, you know, the band on stage. We're going to play, you know, some of these songs and, you know, obviously some others. But I, I just kind of get that whole it's it's a lot more low key than than a lot of what we're used to. Usually at this point in the show uh, is when we go over the history of the artist to kind of give you some context of, of where these the song and this album uh, falls in their history. Um, but this is David Bowie we're talking about here. So, I mean, we're talking... There, there would be multiple podcast episodes just dedicated to his 70s output. You know, we, 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 can't, we can't even bother scratching the surface here. But, um, but for those of you who are listening who maybe don't know that much about David Bowie or only basically know the, the, the general hits of, of Bowie, uh, we're going to give you a little bit of a crash course here on, on where uh, ours falls in the, you know, in the, the long, long history of, of David Bowie's music. So, uh, in the late sixties, Bowie releases a, an album and, uh, a self-titled album, you know, kind of just filled with some two minute long little ditties, nothing too groundbreaking or too, uh, incredible. Uh, even listening back now, it's kind of just like, it's a cute record, you know, and it sounds like David Bowie because obviously it is David Bowie, but, um, it's not anything particularly amazing. Uh, but then he released this song space oddity, which I sure, I'm sure everyone has heard at least once in their lives. This is ground control to major Tom. After he released Space Oddity, he became a lot more popular and he had a lot more clout uh, and he was, you know, being you know, successful in, in many respects, both, both in, uh, on the radio and all, and and touring and all that. And so then in the seventies starts his, his, what most would argue his most prolific and important, you know, time period, um, where he released a succession of albums that were all 
monumental, monumentally successful in in critically and commercially. The tours were huge. David Bowie was becoming the kind of person that couldn't walk down the street without everybody recognizing him. He was like this completely overwhelming personality on uh, on you know uh, just everywhere, and uh, he you know had this big big persona and writing all these big things and and the 70s saw him as being probably one of the most successful artists of that time period so after he's through with the 70s and you know done all these amazing amazing things uh the 80s begin which he starts off strong with the album called scary monsters and super creeps which uh, had you know a good amount of hits on it and uh, and then after that uh he released um an album called let's dance which had a really successful video to it. started kind of the the MTV era of Bowie. Um, so, I mean, Let's Dance is this really catchy, I mean, as you can imagine from the title, you know, really catchy, <laughs> d- danceable tune, um, you know, has, has a couple other hits on that album, does another big tour. Uh, and then there's just this weird kind of crash in his career. Um, he comes up with an album right after it, the, the following year, um, 1984 is Tonight, but I mean, I mean, we're pretty big Bowie fans, and 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 I mean, we we can't name anything off of like yeah, that or the next few albums that he releases. Yeah. Um. So it's weird how everything just kind of screeches to a halt. Um. And then in the '90s, um, Bowie does like a big world tour, um, and kind of says like, I'm I'm going out, I'm doing all my hits. Everyone come see it because I'm not gonna do these these songs again right so he kind of tries to shed his past um with that tour in the 1990s and then kind of reboots himself again uh he starts his band called tin machine A band, so he is just you know one quarter of the creative influence he's, of, he's, of that band. He, he's still he, writing most of the material, and it still sounds like David Bowie stuff. But it, it's 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 a it's a big departure for for his usual sound, and 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 obviously with the input of these other band members, the 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 aesthetic of the band and the 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 music and all this stuff is 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 influenced more by these other people. Yeah, so it's it's kind of like a an an, an alternative rock band, yeah. um, kind of at the forefront of you know before or as that kind of whole movement was was starting. Um, but he ends up the important thing of, of this period is he ends up um, uh, working with this guitarist Reeves Gabriels, who has this very distinctive uh, virtuoso style. Yeah, um, I, I I don't know quite how to put it, but basically it's a lot of flourishes, a lot of weird, crazy noises, a lot of fast playing, um, just kind of making the guitar scream and do all kinds of crazy things. Um, so he does those 
two Tin Machine albums. The the band. I, I'm not yeah, quite just, sure what happened. I mean, the yeah, band. Yeah, I think it just yeah. kind of dissolved when it wasn't very critically. Yeah, successful. so the so the band ends. He comes out with a couple more albums, but it's really not until outside in 1995 that Bowie kind of tries to. We 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 call the the he has three albums: Outside in '95, Earthling in '97, and then the album we want to talk about um, with Pretty Things Are Going to Hell, Hours in 1999. And we consider these three albums kind of a trilogy of Bowie trying to come back to sort of the mainstream or 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 rediscover kind kind of who he is as as a musical artist. Yeah, so you have to kind of imagine that David Bowie, you know, he had this 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 time period, the, the entire decade of the 70s, 10 years of his life, he was probably one of the most critically commercially successful artists of all time. And coming out of that into the 80s, he saw that start off strong and then just kind of collapse in on itself. And so, you know, we're 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 talking a decade of pure success and then a decade of kind of becoming irrelevant. And so with the with with the 90s when he meets Reeves Cabrels and they you know they do this Tim Machine thing, he's he starts realizing that he wants to come up with, you know, he kind of wants to like reclaim his relevance in a way. And so starting with Outside, which is a concept record that's really difficult to explain. We're not even gonna bother trying to do it right <laughs> now. But basically he tried to make like this universe with these characters. It was almost like a movie and this was gonna be the soundtrack to the movie. There was gonna be I, I think there was gonna be a trilogy that he was expected yeah, to Yeah, there write. were yeah, there were more albums. So when you see it, it's like one outside. Yeah, that's it was what supposed it's, to be two, three, you know, whatever yeah, it was, whatever supposed, it was this, supposed to be. This continuing story, and and that never happened. And um, and outside was a, a drastic departure from him. He was he was sp- not only was he listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails at the time, but he was actually like like talking about like covering Nine Inch Nail songs on his next tour. And then they eventually toured together to to promote the record. He was like really obsessed with Nine Inch Nails at this point in time. <laughs> So the the outside album kind of sounds like David Bowie's take on like the Nine Inch Nails kind of yeah aesthetic. that kind of industrial vibe yeah yeah so, so it yeah I mean it sounds uh, again that's another album that doesn't sound like the other Bowie yeah, albums right and and consciously so where yeah. it's like I I love Nine Inch Nails I want to do that <laughs> exactly and so uh, and so that album you know does okay it's it's you know not exactly a, a commercial success or a critical success but it's fine it's certainly better than a lot of his 80s output mm. and then he tries again with this album earthling um which has a lot of the uh electronic dance elements that were very popular in the mid 90s with bands like uh you know like the prodigy and the chemical brothers and all this stuff that was kind of this huge dance music sound he was kind of like okay well i'm gonna do a bowie take on this and this album also was not very commercially successful or critically successful um it did feature one song 
that kind of became part of like the Bowie canon, which is I'm afraid of Americans. But even that we could probably argue became successful because Trent Reznor was in the music video and yep. he remixed it. And it was like, kind of like, uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was kind of a collaboration. Yeah. So I'm sure Bowie got people, I mean, between the tour he had done with Nine Inch Nails and, and that song, I'm sure it was kind of, I'm pulling in a, a different audience than right. I feel like most of the people would have been listening to him in, in the seventies and eighties. Right. So, so we get out of uh, Earthling and then he decides to make this album ours, which like we talked about at the beginning of the episode uh, is a very personal record. It's a very different sounding record than especially the previous two or the previous two were all electronics and beats and darkness and weird sounds. Ours is a much more straightforward pop rock kind of record um, and definitely a departure from the previous two, but still part of this trilogy where David Bowie is kind of trying to discover his relevance again. Uh, we think that this record kind of is about Bowie trying to discover his relevance or, or if he even should be relevant anymore kind of thing. It's a very self-reflective record, not only at his time of his time at that point in time when he's writing the songs, but also of just his entire history as David Bowie rock musician. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast. So ours, I feel, is almost if Bowie was a singer songwriter yeah and had you know like like i believe that when you listen to a lot of other bowie albums like bowie is certainly the main creative force there um and he does tend to surround himself with the same musicians you know accompanying him in the studio and on stage but i feel like for this one it's it's just him alone yeah i mean bowie's worked with like Brian Eno and Tony Visconti and and people who have really had a hand in I think kind of crafting the the helping him find that Bowie sound um which makes it so so distinctive and and you get a better sense of that because when Heathen comes out which is the album following hours um Bowie worked again with Tony Visconti and that album was like the big album that that everyone says like bowie bowie's back back, um and kind of had an upward trajectory after that and and had stayed kind of famous so i i feel like this album very much feels like 
I know every album's a solo album, but this really feels like <laughs> much more of a solo album, like than a solo. Any yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. No, I, I would totally agree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I obviously, if you look at Bowie's history and his, his biggest hits and and all that, like if you look at the writing credits, almost all of them are exclusively just David Bowie is the writer on all the songs. Um, but I feel like a lot of those songs, at least for for one that I know, uh, like Heroes, one of his his biggest tracks. Um, that was written in a studio with a band, whereas Bowie came in probably with like maybe a riff or a chorus or whatever. And then the band together kind of like puts together what the song is going to sound like, where it's going to go and how it's going to move from one section to the next and all that stuff. It's a, it's a much more collaborative effort, but with, with ours, I get the idea that Bowie was sitting in his, you know, studio or his library or whatever, you know, wherever he writes and wrote, all these songs from beginning to end by himself and then brought them into the studio and said, these are the songs you just put your parts on top of them, mm. you know, and that is wildly different than we can expect the rest of, you know, the previous albums uh, of Bowie. So it kind of gives this whole entire record. It's very distinct sound and atmosphere that is much different than previous stuff. Yeah. And certainly the, the couple of singles from this record, I think really drive that point home. Um, survive and seven they're two very um somber acoustic songs that yeah it basically sounds like bowie sat down with his guitar you know wrote wrote it out and and basically what we're hearing on the record is probably what he pretty much walked into the studio with right yeah and um it's interesting that our song today pretty things are going to hell um not only is is are, are we saying ours is an outlier, but the pretty things are going to hell is the outlier <laughs> of of the hours album. Yeah, where it's a heavy electric guitar riff. Um, yeah, like kind, grungy, yeah. chunky. You know, it's a rocking song. Like it's 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 a it's a song that sounds like a Bowie song from the dirty seventies. So like something like if you if you went back to and listen to like Hang On to Yourself or Cracked Actor, yeah, something with just this guitar that grabs you, and it's it's just interesting that on on this really you know, what we think is this really retrospective album where I, I'm Bowie's thinking about aging and and reflecting back on his life and that he throws this like just yeah like dirty rock song yeah well i guess <laughs> in, it, in there it, and, yeah but but i mean i guess it, it, that makes sense you know how could i mean if we're going to if we're going to ascribe to the philosophy that ours is a reflective uh a reflective album where bowie is kind of looking back on his past it makes sense that he'd have to throw in one of these like dirty grungy 70s rock songs because that's how could you reflect on your past without mm. acknowledging that some of the the best stuff he ever did and some of the stuff that's you know that's uh part of his legendary status sounded just like that so that's it, true you know it's, it's a, just funny when you're when you, yeah, when you yeah. hear the album because you're like what what is it because <laughs> <laughs> yeah it really like hits you kind of take kind of takes you off guard when, yeah. you, when you're listening to the album from beginning to end yeah but uh, but yeah, but I think that the that uh, the record as a whole, going back to what we were talking about, I think that the record as a whole is is very personal, very retrospective. Where I, we get the we get the feeling that Bowie is kind of um, struggling 
or possibly maybe not struggling, but more accepting um, his his descent his age, you know, his descent into being an old guy who is no longer really, uh, you know, relevant anymore. I mean, if you if you think about the fact that the guy was in, you know, he was a legend in the 70s, he kind of became a, you know, almost like a joke in the 80s, and then started to try and find his relevance again in the 90s, and hasn't found it, you know, it's, it's kind of, that's, that would certainly make me like think to myself, like, yeah. oh man, I need to just sit in my bedroom and write some songs because <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore, you know? So, uh, I think that this album kind of has like, uh, a, that, that kind of distinct feel of a, of an older man looking back on his life and kind of smiling and then kind of cringing and, you know, kind of doing what everybody does when they look back on what their life has been, you know, uh, the good and the bad. And I think that with ours, we're listening to Bowie's like musical interpretation of, of doing just that. Naked eyes. I should have kept you I should have tried I should have been a wiser kind of guy I miss you Give me Before we get to the actual song let's just talk about the title for a second so the pretty things are going to hell uh, anybody that's familiar with Bowie knows that on his 1971 album, Hunky Dory, he had a song called Oh You Pretty Things. So kind of an interesting reference. I think there's also uh, an Iggy Pop song from an album that Bowie had produced or or did some work on that also references pretty things. So it's it's kind of obvious to, to me, I think, that he's choosing this this title specifically to make a comment about his his previous life or or work that he's done um, bef- before this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I I it can't possibly be just be a coincidence. He didn't just say like, oh, I'm gonna. Call I like this. Fr- yeah, yeah, I like, I like this. Phrase, no, yeah. clearly he's this the song, the album as a whole. Like, it's very clear that he's kind of being self-referential here. And um, with the pretty things are going to hell, it's kind of uh, I, I I would say like a a. Uh, maybe like a sarcastic look back on his life because when you think about the song Oh You Pretty Things or even his time with with Iggy Pop and you know the time that they spent in Berlin writing all this music and doing all this stuff together um, you know like the that's a very like I guess like uplifting positive time Oh You Pretty Things is like this beautiful beautiful song and whatever and then he's got this song where he's like the pretty things are going to hell <laughs> like you know Things are not, you know, something is rotten in Denmark now. Like, I, you know, this this kind of like, you know, once again, looking back on his life with kind of like this wry smile where he's like, oh, that was kind of embarrassing or, hey, that didn't turn out the way I thought it did. And this, the just in the title of the song, I feel like he's hitting it home. Like, you know. Yeah, I, ca- yeah kind of everything about, yeah, everything about this is about kind of like killing off old Bowie or yeah. or, or shedding the, the old Bowie skin. Um, the album cover is, um, Bowie holding basically a a previous version of Bowie, the, the one from Earthling, um, in in the style of, uh, Pieta, um, which is this famous Michelangelo, um, sculpture. Um, if you look at the cover, if you look at the cover and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, there's, there's this whole kind of death 
going on sort of behind the scenes. So kind of makes sense that, that the pretty things are going to hell. Um, I should also probably just bring up is um, in also referencing his back catalog, Bowie had sold his back catalog. Right. Um, right right so, before this. So right. Yeah. Right before this. So um, all his songs prior to 1990, he basically got investors to, to put up money, he sold these things called Bowie bonds. It was it was a very weird, <laughs> yeah. weird thing. But basically, Bowie had sold off his catalog shortly before um, this album. So every song prior to 1990, Bowie wasn't didn't own anymore. Didn't, right. didn't you know? Couldn't decide what happens with those songs. So I also think the pretty things are going to hell is also just like I don't own those songs. That like what any whatever happens to like basically my babies now yeah. is, is not, you know, is not <laughs> right. That's not on me. Yeah. Cause he, he had done this big tour that we mentioned before where he played all these, his, his hits. And he said, this is it. He said, if you come see my tour, I'm going to do it and I'm going to play all the songs that you love. And then that's it. You're never going to hear me play these songs again, um, which didn't turn out to be totally true because he did end up playing a lot of the songs later on later tours. But, but at the time he was like, this is it. I'm going to retire all this stuff and move on with my life. And then, you know, a short time afterwards, like you said, he sold his entire catalog. So he's like, purposely pushing away all of this stuff so that he's kind of forced himself to, to reinvent who David Bowie is in the first place. He's no longer making money off of the songs that he, you know, made money off of his entire life. He no longer has control of that. Um, it's gone. Like if he wants to be successful as David Bowie going forward, he has to make a new David Bowie. And with the pretty things are going to hell. I think he's kind of, you know, once again, kind of let maybe, maybe kind of like flipping the bird at, <laughs> at his previous stuff and being like, see you later. You're I'm done with that there's a new thing coming along or whatever, but, but we, you know, we, we, that's kind of like what we're extrapolating from the title, but it it gets, it gets even deeper with the lyrics. I was going to say, I think it really manifests itself because the, the chorus is basically you're still breathing, but you don't know why life's a bitch. And sometimes you die. You're still breathing, but you just can't tell. Don't hold your breath. But the pretty things are going to hell where he's almost like I'm dangling on a line now. Like I have like left, left my past behind I'm still here. I'm still alive. Uh, what am I going to do now? Yeah. Like just, am I going to just like sit around and, yeah. <laughs> and play bridge all day with Iman? Like, <laughs> like I've got to do something with my life and I, I don't know what to do, but I know that I'm not going to do that anymore. Like I'm done being that, but we, and I think, um, the, the verses kind of speak to, um, a little bit of even just, even though Bowie's looking back on his his life, I think he's also looking at how much styles have changed. I mean, even for somebody who's like groundbreaking at the at the forefront, um, I th- to me the verses kind of sound like what what songs used to be, what songwriting used to be, or at least the things that I would care about. Um, you know, when I was younger. So like the the opening is what to do, what to say, what to wear on a sunny day who to phone, who to fight, who to dance with on a Sunday night. Right. I mean, that was, that was songs in the sixties. Right. It's like, we're, we're riding in the car. We're going to go to this dance. <laughs> we're going to go get ice cream and, and, and soda pop. You know, I, I, but I mean, they, they were, you know, pretty simple songs that didn't, you know, raise really complex questions about 
Yeah, it was about like, life. It was. I mean, it, even yeah. even some of Bowie's biggest hits, you know, like "Let's Dance," like yeah. <laughs> "Put on Your Red Shoes and Dance the Blues," you know, like it's just we're just going out, we're dancing, you know, or or um, you know, obviously he got kind of deep with with space oddity in a way, but really he was just he was reading a newspaper and he was like, oh yeah, you know, so, yeah. this is pretty cool. I should write a song about this, you know. So he's he's sort of with these with this opening line, kind of like setting the stage of being like. I don't know. These things aren't really relevant to me anymore. How am hmm. I going to write a song about them? Yeah. You know? So then the next time the, 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 the questions come up in, in a later verse, it's what is eternal? What is damned? What is clay? And what is sand? Who to diss? Who to trust? Who to listen to? Who to suss? Yeah. I, I mean, they're, they're deeper questions about like what, what comes after this? Yeah, exactly. What, you know, who, who do I have in my life that I, I trust and believe in? Like, who should I just, you know, stop, stop talking to or, or, you know, what, what changes do I need to make? I mean, they're, they're certainly more introspective questions than, than, than yeah, who yeah. to dance with on a Sunday night, you yeah. know, like getting, getting a little below the surface of, of what's actually going on inside somebody's brain, um, that, you know, they want to express in, in song form. And I feel like, you know, we've 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 talked a lot about the record as a whole and and obviously you know skipped on shuffles about this particular track but i feel like it's it's intrinsically attached to the rest of the album which also explores a lot of these similar themes of of aging of looking back on one's past of of um you know reflecting on who you are as a person now as compared to who you were you know there's a lot of different themes that come up throughout the whole record and this this particular song is maybe it's so aggressive and loud because he's kind of maybe he's angry you know maybe like you're saying he's asking these questions and he's like pissed off because he doesn't know the answers you know that's why there's no answers to the questions when he gives them in the verses mm. which is kind of like you know these are my questions. And then at the end of it, he's just like, life's a bitch. And sometimes you die, you know, like <laughs> he's, he's, he's like maybe frustrated with the fact that he's not, he's I, not any wiser. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. It's I've lived this life and I should probably have some kind of advice or, <laughs> you know, something to, you know, and, and the most, you know, I can say to like my younger self or, or, you know, is, is basically pretty things are going to hell. Like you're, you're you know, you're going to be young and beautiful and, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, like it's just, yeah, it's yeah. going gonna to go to hell and you're going to not know what the hell you're doing at 50 anymore than you did, you know, being 25. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's important to mention for those of you who don't know at this point in the game, he is over 50 years old. Yeah. Like yeah. At this, when he's writing this record, he is past 50. He is, you know, um, and we, he doesn't know, no one knows, but he's, you know, only going to live for another 20 years before he's going to unfortunately die in 2016. So he, you know, uh, he's, he's at this point in his life where he's, He's an old man, you know, but he's, but he's David freaking Bowie. Like, you know, it's like, how do you, how does David Bowie age? You know, like, I mean, like we could talk a little bit more about like something like, like, uh, like Kurt Cobain where he kind of, he kind of acknowledged, you know, in a way, uh, prior to his suicide that he was going to, if he didn't do something to terminate his career he didn't need to terminate his life but he he knew he needed to do something with his career otherwise he was going to be 50 years old playing smells like teen spirit and he didn't want to do that mm. and so he you know he decided to to end it and bowie of course did not 
terminated his life and he found himself at 50 years old thinking about you know do i have to go out and play cracked actor like do i have to go out and do this like this doesn't make any sense anymore and and it's 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 really interesting to think about that kind of person you know that kind of you know david bowie space alien reflecting on his own humanity (laughs) (laughs) but i'm just a mere mortal (laughs) yeah and i and and um I I think you had said this when we were previously talking about it, so I just want to make sure that you get credit for it. <laughs> is, is is it it is like memoir? Like I'm writing my memoir, yeah, but I'm doing it the the way I I do it, which is you know I, I write an album, yeah, um, and it is kind of like that, a little midlife crisis y, yeah, um, but still optimistic in at at times because right. yeah, even even the song, which I I agree, it's kind of this angry fierce song with like a lot of power to it um i i do feel like there's just the the little bit of a wink of you know the re- referencing you know yeah my, my previous work and and just kind of shrugging and i think it, it's it's this kind of acceptance where um yeah, I have regrets and yeah, I live my life, but I think everyone's in the same boat as me. Yeah. Where, you know, at, at some point you're just like, oh, it, it was what it was. And, yeah. You know. Well, I, I guess, I mean, I, I mean, I guess if ours, the album was filled with songs like this, then we wouldn't be able to say that. Yeah. But because this particular song is kind of the anomaly amongst the rest and the, and the rest are, I would say, kind of run the gamut from sad to maybe whimsical would be a good word, Mm. you know, where it's kind of like got this more optimistic, but still somber tone to it. Um, because the whole album has that, that feel to it. And, and you know, it is, it is indisputable that Bowie was an album artist. Like he, he wrote great songs. Don't get me wrong. But, but when he was real, what he was really focused on was writing terrific albums that played from front to back and, and whatever. So ours as a whole kind of, makes it so that we can accept that the pretty things are going to hell is not Bowie's final word on everything. It's just one of his particular feelings about his entire life. Mm. And there's even, I mean, the, you mentioned like the whimsical, I mean, there's even the, I am, I'm a drug. I am a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I am the best jazz you've ever seen where I feel like he's, he's not being serious. Serious. Yeah. He's, he's just like, yeah, at one point people perceived me that way. And maybe even I thought of myself that way yeah and it's just another element of that um i i yeah i feel like this album bounces between yet really just confronts like i have this godlike persona yeah and and i'm just a guy living my life you know hitting hitting my 50s (laughs) (laughs) you know sitting around like okay what do i you know what am i doing now yeah top of the episode we talked a bit about uh how um jason and i are both you know very personally connected to this record uh we both we both love it and and um it was one of the the first records that we came across um you know that we thought about when we were thinking about which song to pick for a skip down shuffle episode about david bowie um 
uh, I think the reason that I personally am so connected to this album and, and this song is because when Earthling came out, which is the album that precedes ours, uh, Earthling came out in 1997. I was 14 years old and just starting to get into the history of music, not just listening to what was on the radio, you know, every day on when I turned it on, but also like looking back and trying to like find out, okay, well, what was going on before I was born? What was going on back in the day? My parents love these songs. Why do they love them? Like, you know, kind of like discovering my own musical tastes in the, you know, through the past. And uh, so when Earthling came out, I was listening to, you know, David Bowie as this like electronic artist. And I knew like earlier Bowie hits, you know, things that you can't avoid like Space Oddity and Rebel Rebel and whatever. Um, But I didn't really know anything about his history. And so I started delving into that at 14 years old with with the release of Earthling. And then when Hours came out, I, it was the first record that I actually went to a store and bought brand new from David Bowie. Like I did it with my own money as, you know, a young adult. And, uh, so when I, you know, I did that and this was, you know, way back in the day when you'd buy a physical record and bring it home and unwrap it and read the liner notes and pop it in the player and listen to it. It was a big deal. Um, you know, I, 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 that kind of creates an attachment to, to the album. Um, so yeah, I feel like a personal connection to it because of that. So I, I guess, you know, if someone were to say, Scott, do you feel that your opinion about the uh, importance or relevance of this album is biased in any way? I'd say, yeah, like it is because I had that kind of personal connection to it. But now as a guy in his, in his, you know, thirties who, you know, it was 20 years ago that I I bought, you know, hours off of a record store shelf. um, I looking back now and having listened to all of Bowie's work from, from, from the, the late sixties, all the way through to his final album, black star. I, I still think about this record, not only as like a personal connection, but just as a great, great record in a, in a, in a laundry list of great records. But I mean, when you compare this record to something like, you know, something from the eighties or whatever, like even, even something as monumental as let's dance, which had a bunch of huge Bowie hits on it. Like, I still feel like this album is, is strong, very strong, especially more strong than, than Earthling or, or Outside, even though I love those records too, but still a strong, cohesive, artistic statement from one of the greatest artists that we've ever known. And I think that it's kind of a shame that it kind of just gets ignored by most people because it's, it's really, it really is really good, even though I'm kind of biased. (laughs) So I think the first Bowie album I got was Heathen. So I was I was probably kind of spoiled with, <laughs> with, with coming in there. Um, but as I dug back through Bowie, um, I feel like I did it in a more jigsaw puzzle type way. So, um, you know, start started with Heathen. So even though I had the latest album, it's like I, I remember picking up Low and then jumping to probably something like Let's Dance and then going to like Ziggy Stardust. I, I remember hopping around um listening to different Bowie albums and, and yeah, putting together a sense of the, the, the history and the career that he had had. And I don't quite remember at what point I came upon hours. I feel like somewhere in the middle of, of CD buying, I, I came across hours. The one thing I do remember is I, I, I think I picked up a copy of the album used because the CD copy had like this holographic oh, yeah, yeah, co- yeah. cover of like had, yeah. had, had some special thing in it. And I remember looking around at stores and 
um, trying to save money and buying it used and, and people had like taken them out yeah. and then the, it, the, the, you still had the liner notes, but it didn't have that, that like, holographic that, that, like card. Yeah. So I remember, yeah. I remember searching around for that and I remember seeing it. Um, and I think that's when I picked it up. So I, I don't know if I was just like, Ooh, shiny. I, I, <laughs> I love this album now. Um, but, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, I find myself continually coming back to, to this record and I feel like I, I always love the albums that don't seem that, that I feel like don't get enough attention yeah. and, and seem to just go to the dustbin of, <laughs> of, of, of the history of, you know, David Bowie where, you know, if somebody was like, take, you know, I, I'm sure for most people, if you were like, take whatever 10 Bowie albums you want, probably, you know, most people would not be like sweet hours. <laughs> <laughs> and and I and I you know I chalk that up to a lot of different things and um one I just love you know like just honest acoustic songs that that people write where you just feel like you know you you throw headphones on or you're listening to it in the car or something and you feel like I feel like this this guy is right next to me yeah. like telling me about his life and and I just get that um and I think the other thing too is just how interesting um, some of the other creative elements are kind of how, how the synths, um, kind of supplement the, the acoustics without kind of overpowering them. Um, even we had mentioned the guitarist Reeve Gabriels before, um, who just has this, like the, his guitar playing is just so damn cool. Yeah. Um, just adding these flourishes throughout. And I mean, when I listen back through, the couple albums uh, preceding this where he, he's also playing on those records is just like the coolest solos that will just blow your mind. Um, so I also feel like it, it's interesting knowing that and then getting to hours and kind of hearing him par down some of that to, to better compliment Bowie kind of gave me some perspective on like, you can be this cool, awesome guitar player, but you don't have to constantly do that thing. You can, you can be, you know, soft and, um, subtle, you know, play, play, subtle, play yeah. these like jazzy, weird things still kind of have your sound, but you're not, you know, you, you realize it, it's, this isn't, this isn't my song. This isn't my record to, to shine this way. Um, so especially with the pretty things are going to hell, I feel like th this is one of those kind of like collaborative moments where you feel like they're, you know, Bo Bowie was like, okay, you know, come with me on this one. And, and, and you know, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, let you, let you shine here yeah. a little bit. And, and I feel like for me, that's, that's also something I feel with Bowie where, um, you get so much attention for being like the sole creative force. And, you know, anytime you listen to an interview or, or anything, he's like a very generous person. Yeah. And he's always talking about, you know, people he's collaborated with and, and, um, things that have inspired him, books he's read, pieces of art, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so I feel like uh, I, I feel like when I put on hours, it's almost like my like Reeves Gabriel moment where he's just like, come along with me and, and like, <laughs> we'll, we'll like go do this thing. And, and yeah, I feel like it's almost, you know, like I'm sitting down having a beer with this guy like. With, at, with at, David fucking Bowie. With David Bowie. And he's, <laughs> and he's like, be like, here, I'll, I'll tell you some things. It might not be like the greatest wisdom ever, but, you know, I'll, I'll tell you about my life and, and, you know, we can kind of hang out for a bit. So I feel like hours is my chance to spend, you know, 
almost an hour hanging out with with Bowie Bowie the man as opposed to Bowie the the god as he is on on almost every other record. Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skippedonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes. We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free podcast. So if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash skipped on shuffle. Uh, any donations that come there could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle a ad-free experience and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast. <laughs>